Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, we're catching up with Eric Clapton as he survived the 80s and then closed it out with his strongest album of the decade, 1989's Journeyman. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast. So happy and grateful you can make it to our little corner of the internet where we notch out weekly doses of music and movie goodness that we share with you. Right, Eric? That's correct. How are you, Dean? I'm doing well. Sharing is caring. That's what the Care Bears say. <laughs> Sharing is caring. So we need to share our love of music and movies and our trivia and bits of information with you. And That's right. Yeah. We, we're glad you join us each week. It, it means a lot to us. Uh, and we have a, certainly have a blast doing this. Complete the circle. If you haven't yet, you need to close out this, this, this loop that you're in of listening and go to our social media. Check us out on uh, Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast. If you're into tweeting on Twitter before Elon Musk buys Twitter, uh, mm. you can get us there at 3324p as well. Okay. Until yeah. we come out with some two new other new, some new, yeah. new social media that we'll Hot get new on concept, now, yeah, that we all got to figure uh, out. <laughs> you know what? We're on YouTube as well. We'll th we have we don't really talk about YouTube. We 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 post our live shows uh, automatically get posted to YouTube. Uh, we've posted some uh, of the video versions of our podcast as well because we record video. So if you want to see what our mugs look like and and see me <laughs> making weird faces or whatever, you can certainly go to YouTube and look at some of those uh, some of those videos as well. Yeah, we yeah, that's right. We don't we don't do enough on YouTube. Perhaps no. we should uh, slide it over there. Maybe we'll we'll see. Yeah, our, yeah. our Boba yeah. our exclusive Boba Fett episode is over there though. That's well, there you like go. you can't that's get right. that anywhere else but on YouTube, that's right? And we have like you said, we had snippets of our some of our episodes yeah. there as well. So yeah, yeah, so good stuff there. So yeah. check that out too if you're yep. into the video. So we're here now after a brief brief respite or hiatus that we took. Yes, you'll sir. never know. You'll never know. We record so much content. We have such a backlog of recorded <laughs> content. That oh, we're it's, ready. It's like Tupac. Like we'll be putting stuff out after, you know, if we ever end the show, it'll probably go on for two more years. Just with stuff <laughs> that just keeps, getting, <laughs> just keeps getting released. So, you know, we, 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 you know, we build it that don't. way where we could take, no, well, we, we build it up so we could take time off and, and not have a, uh, that's right. We a, have it a, in the a pocket. skip, a skip in, in content, right? It's because in that's the, the thing. 
in the back I, I pockets, never, in the side pockets. Yeah. We got all, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. We're it's ready. like the guy that's got like the five watches on his, on his arm <laughs> that wants to sell them. Like we have, we have, we have episodes like that deep. So mm-hmm. um, this one uh, is, is going to be a good one. We've been talking, we've been dancing. We've been circling around Clapton for a yeah. while. We, we yeah. kind of were talking about what, what should we do? Um, we kind of talked about Layla and then we, we kind of stagger kind of stutter stepped with it and, and kind of, kind of moved away from it. And then we did some other things and then I'm like, you know, let, let's kind of, let's yeah, do Clapton, let's, let's revisit it. And then I threw talk out about the album um, that, that we, well, pretty, this was pretty much the first album that we, we both got into really, that really, for me, it was like, I got into Eric Clapton. Yeah. And that's what this, I want to talk about. Know. And and that, that's kind of a, 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 a a subplot of this show yeah. <laughs> is, is favorite, is favorite artists because uh, well, let's do the stats and then we'll get okay. into that. Yeah, right? let's do it. You know what? We have to have structure. We have to have form. We have to have order. <laughs> then it can go off the rails and go to shit. <laughs> but at least we need order. to start out like, you know, dun, dun. <laughs> we start, let's just start out with it, you know, with, with the framework and then it just kind of blasts open, right? Oh, we need to get that sound effect. We, we got to get it. Not without getting right sued. Dick, Dick Wolf or, or somebody <laughs> from NBC or Peacock will be like all over it. Like, no, no. <laughs> oh, how many times did you use it? 150,000 times in an instance. Right. So. <laughs> all right, we'll Folded just it up in his pocket. <laughs> yep. There goes nope. the budget. So we're, we're talking about uh, Journeyman from 1989. This was released in November of 1989 produced by Russ Titleman Mm -hmm. Uh, hit number 16 on the billboard charts. That's pretty respectable. There were five singles that were released. None of them really charted in a big way. So I'm just going to go through. Uh, They were pretending bad love before you, before you accuse me, Mm -hmm. no alibis and run so far. Uh, He did win a Grammy for, for this album though. He won uh, best, best male rock performance Performance, for bad love, which is really nice. The album went two times platinum, so that's in excess of two. We should do an. We should need to do an in excess episode, so I can say right? in excess was in excess. You know what? I was going to no. say that because you say it so often. In excess, in, I'm like we, and it does pop into my head. Like what? Yeah. what we yeah, let's talk about in excess. So if we do we, when we do in excess, we'll probably do like kick or whatever. I won't say when when I do their album sales, I won't say in excess of. I'll say they sold more than. Ah. This way, it won't be confusing. Oh, okay. Right? All right. Because we'll have to take out- You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Two times platinum is in excess of two million copies. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's start with favorite artists. Because for me, or, you know, I mean, people change what what their favorites are over time, right? Yeah. Yep. I I, I guess, right? I mean, for me, I, I can say- I've liked, you know, a certain group of artists for, from time immemorial, like when I got into them and, and those have been kind of the standbys and then you get into other things coming out. Right. But um, when we were getting into music, you know, Phil Collins was like the thing for you. Like Phil Collins was, was yes. it in Genesis and you're really on the progressive rock kind of yes. spectrum of music. And that was like your, your wheelhouse. And, and you were into him when Phil Collins was everywhere. Like it was the perfect time. Like if you're going to be into an artist, like That's when right. you got into yeah. him, like the early kind of early mid eighties was like a, you know, was like a cornucopia. I mean, he was everywhere. So if you wanted Phil, you, you had him. You did. Then all of a sudden <laughs> I, I, we, I don't know when it happened because I don't recall it ever happening. Cause then all of a sudden you really weren't into, into Phil Collins that much anymore. And you were really heavily 
like, into Clapton. Like a switch that a switch that yeah. flipped into Clapton. So mm-hmm. can you kind of explain that to I, I'd like to know for me because we never really I just kind of like, oh, okay, he's not really into Phil Collins anymore, and, and he's now into well, Clapton. It's kind of like a mid midstream change. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this this all uh, starts with uh, the fact that Phil, amongst other things that he was doing, you know, whole yeah, you know, with Genesis, he was in a band, he was doing, he was working on a solo career, and then he became a producer. You know, like uh, Frida from ABBA came to him and, and and asked him to produce an album for her. And he's like, I, I why are you asking me kind of thing? And and he just took and, and all of a sudden he became a producer. And then people started asking him to produce their records. So he actually produced a record for Eric Clapton in 85 called Behind the Sun. And the album was, you know, they went to Antigua to record it. And they loved it. They loved what they were doing. It was very synth heavy, very, you could definitely tell Phil had a, a, you know, a presence on that record, but I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was weird. It was different. It was Clapton of the eighties, which is very divisive among, among fans. Um, Behind the sun had, you know, uh, forever man on it. Yes. But she's waiting. Those were like the two. Well, she's waiting was, 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 uh, was a track that Phil had produced. Yeah, they 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 showed it to the record company Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers was like, "There's no singles off this album," as it was originally, and much to their chagrin, both Phil and Eric were were very upset about that. They were like, "Well, we liked <laughs> what we did, you know," but Eric understood that you know he wasn't one of these artists where he was. He understood that if I don't agree to what they're saying to me, they're going to drop me like that. They dropped Van Morrison. Uh, mm-hmm. Very easily, Warner Brothers, because you know Van Morrison made a stand about something, and and you know he and they just drop him like that. So Clapton understood that, and his management knew that. So they pretty much told him, "You need you need some hit singles off this record." So he actually had to re-record. Uh, at that point, Phil was 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 not available, so they he went off in in Los Angeles and recorded three tracks, and they they deleted three tracks from the album recorded three other tracks and forever man was one of those tracks now. Uh, and that was the hit single off the record. Mm-hmm. And so now, now we're switching forward to, you know, Journeyman. And at this point, it's not like I didn't like Phil Collins anymore, but you know, but yeah, but, but because he became so popular, he was all over the place. And, and I didn't particularly care for his later solo work at the time. The thing that I did appreciate though, was that he introduced me to Eric Clapton. Right. Like he because he worked with him and I thought oh, it was the so coolest is that, is thing. That like, is that like your girlfriend introducing you to the <laughs> woman that will will be eventually your new girlfriend? Maybe. Here's the thing. It's, to, it's, you're initially listening to things because Phil Collins was involved. He's playing. That's he's right. Producing, he's writing songs. But then you end up kind of becoming enamored or more enamored. Uh, in a in a in a different well, way with with the new artist. Well, because because right? Phil Collins introduced me to, to artists that he was very fond of, right? And 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 again, he, he was also into. They they both had this common ground of liking Black American music, very steeped in R and B. Phil was more on the Motown side of things, the R and B like soul, that kind of thing. And Clapton was obviously the the blues man, and uh, you know so. When I, 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 when he introduced me to Clapton, and you know, because I, I, I knew Clapton, I knew Layla, I knew yeah. Cream, I knew, you know, what yep. the things that he'd done, but I wasn't that aware of that stuff. So, what, you know, it's like, why is he working with Phil Collins? You mm-hmm. know, like this is odd. This is a very odd pairing. Yeah. And I, especially it just in light of 
working with Philip Bailey previous yeah. to that and, and the artists that were kind of mm-hmm. asking Phil Collins to work with him and he was kind of going a little more poppy with his own music as well. Yeah. Like his his solo stuff was really kind of going, especially, you know, in, in that direction, heading off in that direction. So right. Well, the thing yeah, I totally what, get what you're saying. Well, there. well, for, well, for me, it, it, it was it was at this point I was. A lot of it has to do with my own personal interest and and the way I was as a kid. I wanted to grow up really fast, so I was I, I was, I guess, turning into somewhat of a maybe a snob or something. Like I was trying to get into like more sophisticated types of music. I was mm-hmm. I was that was I was starting to you know head down that path of blues and jazz and. Clapton pretty much opened the door for me. So mm-hmm. that's why I became such a fan because his his approach to the material was very ac- accessible, mm-hmm. very easy to listen to, but at the same time the way he would he would tell you that no, you need to go back and listen to these guys. So I did, you know. So he he was my tour guide as it were. And I, I there was no other artist that actually did that for me mm-hmm. half as much as he did. And I I'm and that's the thing that I love most about him. So that's why I became such a fan. And then, of course, you go back, just like I did with Phil and Genesis, and you go back and listen to a lot of the older material. And it just, you just, yeah, it's just one yeah. of those things. Everything clicks into place. And, you know, mm-hmm. right. but, you know, you understand the ups and downs, too. You also, unfortunately, you, you know, you get to know what's good, what's bad. And, <laughs> you know, well, Clapton well, you know, I mean, yeah, goes, he's got a, you know, if, if, so. if nothing else, he's very prolific. Just a, a, yeah. a quick side note. Uh, on the album Behind the Sun, who who plays acoustic guitar in one of the tracks? Yes, Lindsey Buckingham. Sorry. Oh, Lindsey Buckingham. And that's actually on one of the one of the tracks that that was produced by Lenny Warricker of, of Warner Brothers. I'm, I'm going to get a bell. And anytime we mention Jeff Lynne or, or Lindsey <laughs> Buckingham, I'm going to ring a bell so everyone knows it's yes, coming. Yes, he does. Something's <laughs> Happening is the name of the track. And yes, Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> plays rhythm acoustic guitar acoustic on that guitar. track. Yes. So... so. Let, let's do a little just, you know, obviously, if, if you don't know who Eric Clapton is, I'm not sure how you found this podcast. I'm not sure. <clears throat> Maybe you stumbled upon it. But so we'll, 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 t- we'll, we'll kind of give you the benefit of the doubt. Clapton started his career in the 60s, steeped in the whole English blues scene. Uh, what was it? John Myall first and then the Yardbirds or was it the Yardbirds then John Myall? It was the Yardbirds uh, first. The Yardbirds, then, then the Blues John Breakers. Mayall, then the John Mayall and the Blues yep. Breakers. Then he went to Cream, which was one mm-hmm. of the first power trios um, with Ginger Baker and uh, Jack Bruce. Jack Bruce, yep. Continued after that, just another Blind Faith. Group, Blind Faith, which was a quote unquote another super group with Steve Winwood. One yep. album, that was it. Yep. One and done. Uh, hung out with Delaney and, 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 and Bonnie. Bonnie. And then that formed uh, kind of Derek and the Dominoes which was him and, and Dwayne Allman, which they put out their album, you know, Layla and other assorted love songs. Love which, songs, yeah. Uh, you know, I make fun of him a lot, but yeah, it's the ultimate, you know, he's the ultimate wife stealer. Uh, it's about unrequited love. He was, Eric Clapton was madly in love with George Harrison's wife at the time. Patty Boyd, yep. Um, she and really wasn't, you know, she was kind of spurning those advances, but he was, it, it was an obsession for him. That's right. Um, and he would write several. I mean, I mean, pretty much yeah. the entire Layla album is about her, but, it didn't end there. Yeah. And there are, there's actually a track on that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it, but there, he, but he would write several songs for her. Yeah. So she's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and, and, and the funny thing about it is eventually George Harrison would divorce her. Yeah. They Clapton and Patty Boyd would get together, but they actually wouldn't get married until 1979, but they were, they were kind of a couple yeah. for a while. And oddly enough, you know, the, the ultimate nice guy, George Harrison, you know, 
him and Clapton were best buds. Like no hard feelings. Like they were. Yeah. You know, it, it, George, it takes George, a certain, you know, normally George, you'd be like, this guy's a scumbag. I don't want nothing to do with him. And, and no, you know, George, George Harrison just was, and well, I, I, if, if he's, if she's going to be with anybody, I, I'd like it to be Eric. And wow. You know, so, but you know, according to Eric, his story, his side of the story is more like, well, there was a lot of that going on anyway. And, and, and I think there's certain what, truth to that. Wife swapping, was swapping girlfriends okay. and that, you know, so George was no saint either in that, oh, in no, that, definitely not in that camp. So, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is a very, very interesting tale. Yeah. Uh, that has become, you know, rooted yeah, it's a legend- in, in it's rock one of the legends. legendary, yeah, yeah one of the legendary right. yep. rock love stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clapton ha- has had his more than his fair share of substance abuse issues. He he's he's oh, battled yeah. them. He's come out. He's relapsed. You know, when we catch up to Clapton in '89, uh, he's so- he's sober. He he's clean, newly newly sober from his battle in the seventies, he relapsed, gave, you know, big alcoholic. Yes. Kind of came, came back out of that as it were to frame this. And then just before, um, so you're, you're talking about behind the sun with, with Phil Collins. Yeah. Uh, Clapton releases another album in the eighties after that called August, which has, it's it's in the way that you use it, which is from the color of money, which Phil also Um, produced for the most part, except for that one track. But yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. So, Um, you know, Clapton is, is, kind of keeping busy behind the sun does have an uh, more of an eighties feel to it. Um, they, they all do. I think a little I, bit. Yeah. This is the lead. You know what? And maybe that's what it attracted me to this. Cause I was never a big Clapton fan yet. Like you said, everybody knows I shot the sheriff after midnight cocaine. I mean, you know, you listen to FM radio back then. Clapton is, was one of the anchors of, of album oriented rock, be it with his work with cream, be it with Derek and the dominoes, be it with his solo right. stuff. Yeah. You know, the guy, you know, he was just one of those people. So what happens though, after, after August, something really special happens is they release a box set called crossroads. Yes. Which was, <clears throat> I think was a turning point for him because it kind of, this was back in, back when that came out, like big box sets weren't a, a thing yet. They were, it, it was kind no. of on the horizon. Like you didn't see, this was like four CDs or five and five or six LPs. It had mm-hmm. a cassette version of it as well. Um, a really complete compendium of his career from yeah. stoop to nuts for uh, up to that point. If you were not into Clapton, you can pick up, you could pick up Crossroads and get that everything. Was, that was know? it for me. I think that um, was a turning point. The culmination of, of, of that with, with Journeyman at that year, because it came out roughly around the same time period was it was a perfect companion piece up to that point because it really went it went all the way up to August, yeah, which was eighty six. So there were tracks on from that album on this on this box set. So we really got like right up to the moment, and then yeah, his a brand complete, new album, a complete retrospective. I mean, yeah, like and credit has to be given to a guy named Bill Levinson who put that package together. He was a, he's a music and uh, historian. He did the great he did the great Dylan box set. He also did the uh, the Allman Brothers box set uh, Dreams. Uh, so if, you know, those are, I don't think they're actually available anymore. I and mean, you could probably find them like on an eBay or something like that. Certainly there have been others that have been mm-hmm. made since then, you know, the, the compilations, but nothing really compared to the care and the attention yeah. that, because he was, he put on a lot, like, a, like I think a third of that crossroads set was, was, was unreleased material, outtakes, B-sides, lives, things, yeah. things of that nature, which was, you know, which at the time was, was not a, a common thing. Yeah. I, I think know, it was a watershed know, so, moment for, right. for, for music because this, this 
career retrospective came out covering everything. And usually you can't get, usually right. it's, it's yeah. hard to get if you're on different labels and different rights and different songwriters, it's hard to get all that stuff together. It's hard to wrangle all that into oh, yeah. a, into one package. And they did it. And I remember when it came out and everybody was going bonkers for Crossroads. It, it kind of really, I mean, the guy, and it's not like the guy's career was far, was over, but at that point it was just like a, it was kind of like a demarcation point of, okay, here's where I've been. Here's where I'm at up to this point. Right. And then, yeah, eight, that came out in 88. And then the following year, Journeyman came out, which I, I, which I think I said in the open, I think it was his strongest album of the 80s. It's, it's one oh, that absolutely. Clapton says is one of his favorites as well. That's right. Um, yep. He really liked it. And and it it closed out the 80s. And I think it closed out the 80s in a very un-80s way that the other yeah. ones didn't. You know, that it started it started to lose a lot of the 80s-ish you know, with, with maybe the exception of, um, anything for your love, like that kind of still has yeah, like, very 80s, that, no that alibis. Open, that, yeah. But that they opening that, like keyboard in keyboard, the beginning of it is right, kind of like yeah. a, a, a vestige yeah. of it, but this is a, a riff heavy album and mm -hmm. a solo heavy album. There's two, two distinct things. He's got a lot of great riffs in this. And then he's he also does. doing a lot of nice soloing too. Very, very under, well, I, I, and it's blended in. It's very understated. Yeah. The solo, you know, like just the, the the little accents, the little you know measures that he does is is really, and he doesn't do it that often, which is you know so a lot of the albums he put out after this, people complain that there's just not enough guitar. I beg yeah. to differ. You need to listen to it. You need to yeah. listen, and you need to really listen for it, because that's what he that's what he's you know uh, his understatement mm -hmm. with the instrument is, is is to me much more powerful than anything. Yeah, that he did in the early, in the early years. He's not the Flash. He's I, he's. I don't know any other artist who spends who works so hard to be a master of understatement than Eric. Yeah. Clapton. <laughs> Honestly, and people yeah. will take that as oh, he's just lazy. He doesn't have the skill set. That may be true, but he knows. And but I think he has. The I don't intuition. think so. I think he just he just knows he doesn't. You know, this well, is I think he he's... has the intuition to say like, look, I don't want to be flashy. I don't yeah. want that. But I, I, it's it's much more powerful when you when you can do something. That's very tasteful, very understanding, yeah, very elegant. An impression. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, you know, I remember when this album came out because of the because of the music video for Pretending, and mm -hmm. it kind of caught me because it's it's him in the rain, it's it's him in the rain, and he's playing guitar, and the band is around him, and so yeah, it was a very like I can't you know that's when when those videos in back in the eighties needed something to grab you, so it was like Clapton playing in the rain outside. But Which it was he, just a great song too. So that kind of hooked me. It was the visuals yeah. hooked me, but, and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, Clapton, he's got like longer hair and he's got a beard. So I'm like, oh, you know, kind of like yeah, he's looking got that, a little hipper. He's got um, that Italian haircut going and the yeah. Armani suits. And yeah, he was on SNL with the looking all fancy. And that, and I, that's, I admired that about him. Like, that, yeah. I, like there was a sense of style to the guy that everybody else was just rock and roll heavy, you know, leather pants and, you know, spandex and all that. Yeah, he didn't really was go a guy, for any of that anyway. Yeah, he, there, here was a guy that just looked like the perfect gentleman, you know, and here he is, you know, banging out these riffs of, of yeah. really heavy blues. And Phil Collins would joke to him, like, you know, you know, you're wearing Armani suits, you're driving Ferraris. <laughs> what do you know about the blues? Yeah. Oh, you know, he knows. And Clapton's like, it's not about that. It's about, it's a state of mind. Yeah. You know, and that was his response to, you know, yeah. to, to that. And he's, so he's certainly been running. there. He's certainly been there. Yeah, now, you absolutely. talked about, yeah. you talked about um, Behind the Sun. Yeah. And how it was rejected and how they really weren't, uh, the label wasn't really hap happy about that. What ha what came of that actually is uh, Jerry Lynn Williams as a result as well. 
they they were they started to say you know Clapton said well get me somebody to who's get me somebody who's going to write hits and and record them for you know give me demos or give me recordings yeah and, and yeah show you know show me the money if you want me to do stuff give me give me good material then and Jerry Lynn Williams or just Jerry Williams uh became a collaborator and he's really on the forefront of this album and when he, and he's I, the unsung hero of this yeah record, I, I think he anchors yeah. the album because he's yeah. got the lion's share of the writing credits that's right um and I think he. He pairs well with Clapton. Like the, the I would never have known that like running on faith was not written by Clapton. Like that. That's right. I, you know. I thought that was like a like that seems like a, a song that Clapton it's a wrote. Staple. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. You know, it's it's written by Jerry Williams. And and he had such a really a deft touch on this album that that most of the originals are his. And then there's a couple of covers. You got Hound Dog and you have Before You Accuse Me, and you have mm. uh, Ray Charles. So you've got like some some of the standards peppered in, um, not full on blues, and maybe that's what I like about this album too. Is it's not a full on blues album; it's a rock it's a rock album with yeah. some blues songs in there as well. That's right. It's right. It's, that, been, it's a it's eclectic. There's an eclectic nature to it, which is very. And his solo career is very common. I mean, no reason to cry was an album like that. He had the band on that album. He had mm-hmm. Dylan. He had a lot of guest stars on this album with Journeyman. So he's, he's kind of returning to that form of collaboration. Uh, and as such with each artist, the song changes. So, you know, he's working with George Harrison. On, so it sounds like a, it, that it, absolutely it just, sounds like, okay. So yeah, it's I, a George I, I Harrison, we're going to get you know. there a little bit later, but yeah. He, but, okay. So, so George Harrison has a song run so far on this. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, you know, George Harrison at this point was coming off the heels of, of cloud nine and, and working on traveling Wilburys and, yeah. and Clapton played on, on cloud nine. But when you hear "Run So Far," it does not sound like I, I don't. I can't even figure out when it was written because it doesn't sound like a a, a George Harrison song of that time. It sounds no. like more of like his early '80s or late '70s stuff. It almost sounds like yeah, like this was like a, a track that was unused because it doesn't sound like the recent stuff that he was doing. Yeah, because as soon as you hear it, it's like Cracker Box Palace, and it's it has it's like it has that it has that ear that, in that yeah. era of there. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's like. It is unmistakably a George Harrison song, and then George Harrison kind of, kind of helps out on it with, with the vocals as well. So, uh, a, a great, and then Phil Collins makes his his final appearance on on Bad Love, which I really like. Um, yeah. At this point, Phil Collins might have been kind of in the getting towards the overexposure, mm-hmm. but on on Bad Love, it's not the booming. It's not the in the air tonight drums. It's more straightforward kind of Rock dr- like really yeah. great drumming, really great fills, but not those booming Phil Collins drums. Mm-hmm. His harmony vocals are are just at the right time. That's right, and yep. and it's actually not f- so forward in the mix that you can absolutely tell it's him. You can kind of be like, is that Phil Collins? Which yeah. is great. That's like that's it, it's a perfect way to use him uh, for his drumming skills in in a in a straightforward song, and then and then providing some harmony vocals just at the right time on that song. Oh, this, this album's a slam dunk. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and uh, that song was co-written with Mick Jones of foreigner, ironically enough. So I think he, I think Mick Jones actually wrote, I, I believe it's the, I think it's the bridge of the song, mm-hmm. you know, that was his contribution to it. Cause it, cause Eric was kind of like at a, he was at a standstill. He was got at the cr- riff was down. Was he at a crossroads? He was at a crossroads. <laughs> he was right at that moment <laughs> where he was just like, I don't have a bridge. I, I you know, he got the riff down, uh-huh. but he just couldn't get that. that yeah. and so that was Mick Jones's contribution. So, but yeah, it's, it's a killer song. It, it really is. And, and you know what, ironically enough, at, at the time I didn't think so, 
But really? now, oh, I, I loved when it I, when it came when out. I, when I when I revisit it, it it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is a really great track. And yeah, so, it, you know, that that song cooks, you know, because yeah. you've got other other guest players. I mean, you know, Jim Keltner is is prominently featured on this. He's no slouch, mm-hmm. but he's a different type of drummer than Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Collins. I think you know. I think his drumming really helps drive this song. Well, there's a slickness to it. There's yeah. a very you know, it's very amped up. It's very you know, it is. It's a rock and roll. It's it's. It, I think according to Eric, it was his. I, I guess he was trying to allude to the fact that it was like the '80s Layla kind of like yeah. it had that. It's got that feel. It's got the riff. Feel, it's got the. You know, it's got yeah, the break the in the riff. middle. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, um, I, I'd say yeah. I'd say good. Well done then. If if he was mm-hmm. trying to adapt something, adapt some of his material. Um, I think it was, it's a good one. I mean, there's just, there's so much on here. It's, it's funny because I hadn't listened to Journeyman in so long. Yeah, and then when I, I did, when, when each song just rolled off, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I forgot like how, like, like there was no filler. I'm like, oh my God. Like, what, uh, you know, and then all, like old love came on, that, that's you know, which, which is just favorite. another great one. And that's about Patty. <laughs> yeah, that was post, the one post. Yeah. The old love okay. is about yeah. her post post breakup. breakup. Yeah. yeah, so it yeah. That's... And why did they break up? Because he's fooling around on something, fooling around on his. Wife. Yeah, and he's a, he's a woman. Yeah, we got to put it out there. He he likes to have fun. He likes to have his fun. Well, he had, his um, addictions didn't it didn't end with with substance. Yeah. It, it was it was clothes. It was cars. It was women. Uh, he you yeah. know, yeah. So he's not it, he's not it, perfect. He's not a perfect person. Oh, no, by no stretch. <laughs> <laughs> By no means, we, we won't even touch on. Some and of that's the, other the thing stuff. that you know. That's those are the things that you don't, you don't wish that you delve too far yeah. into getting to know your, you know, your so called heroes because they're once you find out something that happened or you know whatever, it's it's disappointing. So they yeah. kind of drop the bar a little bit, and it's just. But then, but then it's the it's all about the music anyway. So yeah, yeah you just keep going. Yeah, back that to was that, the thing. That's yeah, what I, matters. I, yeah, yeah, when I put this on, I'm like, wow. I was like, I forgot how. Yeah how really great this was. It was kind of one that I have it on CD and it's tucked away somewhere. And yeah, it was, it was on my, it was on the list of, of, of albums to do though. For some reason, when I was making our, the original list of things journeyman was on there. I'm like, we, we've yeah. got to get to this eventually. I'm like, it was just such a, you know, a, a, pro, a turning point for you. Right. In, turning in, point for in, me. In embracing and, a new artist and kind of, you know, right. Opening and, yourself and this up is to the, something new. This was the perfect album to really start with. You know, and, and like, like I said, I didn't know much about, it really was a, just, you know, just a lot of research, a lot of going back because there was several things written about him at the time. There were biographies, there were mm-hmm. things, you know, so there was a lot of, a lot of history there yeah. to delve into. Yeah, you especially know, so coming off of, of, of Crossroads. I mean, that was that's like right. a, a historical document of his career right there. Yeah, that's right. You know? And that, and that paired with, like I said, with the, with the new, with the, with this new record, just really it was at that point that it like, and I felt like this was like the reemerge. This was like his second coming in my yeah. opinion. Like, cause he, I'm making a clap in his God reference here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. I mean, he, yeah. you know, once, and then of course, you know, the tragic, uh, he loses his son and that really put him over the top and said, I am no longer drinking at all because he did fall off the wagon a few times yeah. at this point. Yeah. He um, kept trying, you know, he, he, he fought the good fight, you know, he fought the good fight. And you would oh. think that something like that, as tragic as that, would have, you know, gotten him back into that, but no, he, he, you know, that was the thing. It was, it was because of that, that he said, uh, I, I'm no longer, I owe it to my son because of, you yeah. know, uh, so I, I'm never going to touch this stuff again. And he changed as a result. And I think his yeah. music, he took, 
I wouldn't say it's the greatest stuff he's ever done, but it's, you know, with the mindset is there The you know, he's working hard. He's, he's trying to change his image a lot. And, and mm-hmm. he just, he, he, uh, those tours, those later tours were some of the best yeah. concerts I've ever seen because of just his playing and, yeah, but, but you know. before we get to that, because we I, we'll, we'll get into how many times you've seen him, but um, <laughs> I, I guess one of the, the the only vestige or the only thing that would really earmark this album from the eighties mm. is the appearance of Daryl Hall. <laughs> it does you don't get much more eighties than, than Daryl Hall from Hall Adults, right? Very I mean, kind of like yeah, and, and he he, but that's the thing is is he's got a lot of great guests on this, right? Chaka that, Khan. Yeah, it's also Con- should be well, singing I, backing vocals on this I record. I love yeah. when Clapton has female singers behind him. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better. I think he's at his strongest. I think his vocals are mm-hmm. – it's a really good counterpunch because he, you know, he's not a, uh, a prolific vocalist where he goes – He's more of down. a crooner. But he go, he's he, – yeah. and this one, he's really singing. He's really kind of putting some force behind it. So then when you've got like the, the he female grew into backing his voice singers, for sure. I've, I've always yeah. loved it. I've always loved when when – and even in his 70s stuff, when he's, you know, like laid down Sally and stuff, just that, that yeah. counterpoint of the female backing vocals. Yeah. Just really do it. But but yeah, Daryl Hall makes makes an, an, an appearance on here, uh, which is uh, no alibis, no alibis. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, if we're just finishing out some of the guests, uh, Steve Ferroni, Steve who Ferroni go on, on to become the, the drummer for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He's on here. This is if you go look at the Wikipedia, these are like the pros. Robert um, Cray. And, and a lot of his his. Yeah, Robert Cray, Pino Palladino, Nathan East, who would become part of his touring concern yep. group. Greg Philagains um, on keyboards. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. he got a he got a lot of his touring uh, band out of this these sessions, and they would they would stay with him for a while, right? The Twenty Four yeah. Nights, which would be the following release. That's right. Would be a yep. live album. So, so speaking of live, I saw him twice. Did I see him both times with you, or just once? I think I saw him on this tour you and did. then I know he came around again and it was like, just like a blues thing and, and you had an extra ticket or we got I, tickets and I went with you. I actually had two sets of tickets on the journeyman tour, which I gave to you because I couldn't go the second oh, okay. time. Thank, thank you. So I think you went with our <laughs> friend, John. Oh, thank um, you. We thank you now. Yeah. So you guys t- saw him <laughs> for the first time at, at Madison square, you know, cause that, that was yeah. the show. And then yes, on the blues tour, the nothing but the blues tour, I had an extra ticket, and uh, and we so, went. And it was like Nassau Coliseum. And, and as I recall, you were not. You were <laughs> no. I was. I was. Not yeah, a fan I was like, of that show. And you I know loved what? It. I you know. Yeah. At the time, at the time, I, I wanted to. You know, I was in like I want to hear the hits mode. Like I was in, of course, in that yeah. mode of like I'm going Understandable. to Scrapton. Yeah. I want to hear it. Yeah. I wasn't getting. You know, I, I wasn't getting what he was laying down, and you. I remember that night too, and you said it's going to be all blues. It's going to be. I was like, whatever. Okay, go, but. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it, to it was me, it was like, like, it was like a history. It was like, I was like watching a, uh, a, a, a sort of a tribute to the blues. Yeah. That's what it was. Well, that's what it was. I mean, it's initially. So for me, cause I had already known a lot of what he was doing and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So for me, it was like, oh yeah, this is great. stuff. So I was already in, you know, in the door. And, and, uh, so I, I, I absolutely love that show. Um, yeah, I can, I can, I can understand how people wouldn't, though i mean you know it would have been nice to have been to squeeze in a couple of his bluesier numbers like i, I you could definitely like he could he could have put in like old love mm-hmm. or something of that nature that he wrote yeah. um but uh no yeah so that was a great show and then you know i i pretty much from journeyman on i think i saw him on every 
probably every major world tour. I know he does a lot of concerts in between, like mm-hmm. little snippets here and there, but like every major world tour, like Pilgrim to, uh, you know, all the way up to 2007, I think I saw him. I think it was a, a grand total of like maybe 11, 12 times. Wow. Yeah. Is that your, is that your biggest, yeah. is that your most or is Tedeschi no, the Trucks the, the most? most Tedeschi Trucks are actually the band I've seen <laughs> absolutely the most. Wow. But, and we'll so get to Clapton. them in a minute. Um, but yeah, they, they, <laughs> But Clapton, yeah, I, I mean, pretty much, like I said, every major tour, uh, it was in, I've saw I cut a number of times in Florida. I actually, on my 40th birthday, I actually flew up to New York just by myself. I didn't want to like, I just wanted to fly in, fly out just because I had to see him. For some reason, I had to see him at the garden mm-hmm. and it was a very special show. It was, uh, it was 2006 and it was the, you know, the, he had, uh, 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 Derek Trucks in the band and and Doyle Bramhall, the New Blood. The, you know, those are two a, of his acolytes. For those that right, don't know, these, kind of his- he was reinvigorated. I had, I don't think I've ever heard him and heard him play with such vigor and sing as as well as he did in that show and the previous tour before that in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. That was at the absolute two best shows for Clapton that I ever saw. And, and it was just amazing. It was just because like he, he, you know, the thing about Clapton is that he's constantly surrounding himself with, with younger guitar players. And, and, you know, because he, he needs to have that inspiration. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys who could freely admit, I, I, if I, if I, if these guys didn't light the fire under my ass, I'd, I'd just be doing all the same stuff all the mm-hmm. time. And of course, these guys, they don't want to play tears in heaven. No, right. and they, they got come something on the to scene. prove. I mean, if they're if they're they going to share the stage with they're going to they're going to play. They're going to play Layla. They're going to play Cream. They're going to you know this is yeah, what they, they wanted they gotta to play. They got to bring it. Yeah, they can't so, fool yeah, around. So this is, this is like their that, shot. That so you I know. basically got to see, uh, in a sense, like Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah. You know, because he pretty much did the entire album of Layla on that tour and mm-hmm. over time, and, and it was yeah, it's just to hear that and to you know. uh was just absolutely amazing. So yeah, it's a lot of history. Again, a lot of history there. Crossroads then, story. We've talked about that a couple of times. So and you. Well, the Crossroads thing there. was was big because a lot of the like I said, like because of Eric Clapton, I got into Robert Cray. I got into you know Doyle. I got into uh, all these other artists that I probably would not have gotten into had mm-hmm. it not been for my love of his his approach to the blues and you know even like even Cheryl Crow for for as an example. I mean because she's really in that wheelhouse of, of doing that kind of music as well. Right. You know, she collaborated with him quite a few times and she was there at that show and they did more than collaborate. (laughs) They collaborated in in, in more, they they did more than collaborate. Let's Mm. put that out there. That was on our Sheryl Crow episode as well. I think oddly enough that with the Sheryl Crow, this is going to follow the Sheryl Crow episode. So I I think, (laughs) <laughs> the song no uh my my favorite mistake i think was written about, about eric i think so i'm, I'm not right. if I, I could be mistaken but i it, I, it's rumored heavily right. rumored that that's what the song that's about. what it was so, all right yeah so b- back to uh back to journeyman right yeah he closes out he closes out the 90 uh, the 80s with this mm-hmm. um his next quote unquote studio album would be the soundtrack for a movie called rush which was a really great film Oh, not yeah. very, not seen by very many people, but there is a song on it. At the ver- the last track is a song called "Tears in Heaven," mm-hmm. um, which again kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think, at the time. 
It wouldn't be until 92. That, the soundtrack to the movie Rush came out in 91. 92, he would do uh, an, an episode of Unplugged for MTV, and he would perform it there. Uh, and yes, his son Connor had passed away in the interim. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, tragically fell out of a window in New York City. Uh, just, just a tragic thing. The kid was what, uh, like four years old? He was four. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. So he wrote that song for, for, for him. Uh, it appeared in the movie Rush, but kind of it wasn't until Unplugged came out that it really, yeah. uh, the, the renaissance, you know, like the renaissance between, I think, Crossroads, Journeyman, and then Unplugged would kind of complete this, this cycle of bringing Eric Clapton back into like the hearts and minds of everybody because uh, Unplugged just took off. You know, and he was like the anti, you know, he would be the most, the unlikeliest person you'd see on MTV Unplugged. Cause at that time, 90, what, 91, 92? It was grunge. You're, you're seeing the grunge stuff. You're seeing, yeah. you know, yeah. the alternative stuff on MTV. And then he shows up with, you know, Andy Fairweather Low, you know, was it Ray Cooper, a couple of, a couple of his, of his pals. And they just the, run through, yeah. they run through, you know, some, a lot of standards. They do the stuff with the kazoos. I mean, they just had a really good time <laughs> yeah. with it, but it, but it was his rendition of Tears in Heaven that put put that over the top. Yeah, that was the album and it won, God, won six, know, six, nominated for nine Grammys, won six. Won six, yeah. Uh, uh, ten uh, platinum, which is over 10 million copies sold of that thing. Yeah. Absolutely powerhouse. Yeah. And- the guy does not play an electric guitar on it whatsoever, which he's known for. Like he's known for playing his strat uh, yeah. and 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 firing off blues licks elect- electric, you know, electrically. Um, and this is an album of him at, with an acoustic guitar with minimal uh, laid back atmosphere. Yeah, just, and just, just kind of rolling through these songs uh, like a like a, a musical roadmap of of his career yeah. and and some of the stuff that he liked as That's well. That's right, and and it gave him the confidence to return to the blues. The blues never, I mean, it was always in his soul, always there. He would always cite that as his, his passion. Um, and to this day, I think he says that uh, he's like, it's better than sex, money, drugs. It's, it's, it, the blues will always be the, <laughs> the best thing about my life. And it's true. I mean, he, you know, it, it carried him through everything. I think it yeah. really, really, I, I honestly believe it saved his life because the guy could have died should have died 10 times over yeah, in his I mean, career. His, I mean, his, his share of, of personal tragedies and national tragedies, you know, all marriages and, and you absolutely know, yeah. bad marriages and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's funny that he, as a young person, he grew up enamored with it, but they say you have to live it to really be able to play it, you know? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately he, he ended up doing that. I mean, he ended up, you know, really abusing himself with, with, with drugs and, and right. just a lot really, of it's self-inflicted. Sure. Yeah. But oh, yeah, he was his yeah. own worst enemy in, in a lot of those cases, but, um, he ended up living that, you know, yeah. um, and, and coming out the other side for, for better or for worse now. But, um, when, when unplugged came out, it absolutely was a Renaissance for him. It was all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, Eric Clapton was like, like back on the radar, um, and I think I think the, that three those three pinnacle points I think of of Crossroads and Journeyman and then coming out with the Unplugged he was well positioned because like the the box set kind of raised his raised his profile a little bit for people that were were longtime you know fans from way back they they got it something they could get into a new fan like you was able to get kind of like the Pet Sounds box set for the Beach Boys like that's right people yep. that got that all of a sudden went back and became like like big fans of the beach boys. And I think mm-hmm. crossroads did that for him. 
He follows that out with a super strong release. He wins a Grammy with with Journeyman. The strong, I, I, I'm going to say, right, strongest of the 80s. Was that his, you think it was his best work? Journeyman for sure. Yeah. yeah there's no okay. doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then. 80s and then was not of, his his best, you know, period. I mean, they, everybody agrees. He I mean, he was there. He was there. He was He was prolific. Yeah. I mean, he you know, he put out what? Money and cigarettes. Money and uh, cigarettes. And behind, behind the, the sun. sun. And then Another August. ticket was early. was 81. No, which ticket. was live. Which no, that was the live at the boot comment. Then another ticket was a. One I thought another ticket which, was live too. No, no, oh, okay. that, that was, it was the album right before <laughs> Money and Cigarettes, and then he uh, changed bands at that point. And earlier, you know, he had Ry Cooter playing with him, and, and guys like that, and and you know, uh, so I mean, he was still there. He was like trying to adapt, and and then of course there's the the he toured with Roger Waters on his first solo tour. Which much to the chagrin of his management, you know, like, what are you doing? You're Eric Clapton. You don't need to be a sideman to another artist, you know, but he didn't care. He doesn't he mind. Just, yeah. And he took those kinds of risks. He took those kinds of chances. And, and you know, he did soundtrack work. Yeah. Rush wasn't his only soundtrack. He did uh, several that didn't really make it. That didn't. I think he did a soundtrack to a movie called Homeboy with Mickey Rourke. About yeah, it was a, a boxer. boxer. Yep. And I don't, I, I've never seen the movie. I've never seen it come out. I've, I saw I, Homeboy know, when it, I actually saw Homeboy like back in the day. Was, I had the out. soundtrack. <laughs> but you never I saw had the, the cassette, but I never saw the movie. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I saw of course it, I, I had Rush, and Rush, by yeah. the way, is an amazing soundtrack. His his yeah. his playing that was him and Michael Kamen, right? What did the he was inspired score? by Michael Kamen because he yeah. had done work with him on Leith, on the Lethal Weapon films, yeah. but he. No, Clapton composed the oh, music. Oh, it's just all himself. Clapton. It's okay. all Clapton. It's yep. it's it's just all him. This instrumental guitar work is absolutely stunning. And there's three, th- actually, besides Tears in Heaven, there's two other tracks. One with, he does with Buddy Guy, and another song called Wake Me, uh, Wake, uh, Wake Me Up Before. Yeah, wake wake me not before not, you go go. I don't want. Now, I don't want to say wake me up because I'm going to be like, no, it was not wake me up before you go. Go, no, it's <laughs> don't know, uh, don't know which way to go. Help me up. Sorry, help, help me, me up. up. Okay, yeah, yep. there it is. Yep. So, yeah, and 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 by that time he 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 kind of established his touring band, and they show up on this, right? You know, like you said, Greg Filling Gaines, Nathan East, Steve yeah. Ferroni. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of these players, I just the names you just get to know. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, when things and like people the, want and people want to play with Clapton, that's the thing, too. So that's right. it's not like he's a, a pariah for all the problems he's had. People still want, you if know, he, the, the thing about Clapton, if he likes you, and especially in guitar, if you're a young guitar player, he'll throw, you know, he'll do anything he can to. And he's done this for Doyle Bramhall, who, mm-hmm. whose career never really took off. He was yeah. in a band called Archangels with uh, Tim Sexton. It was a, it was, a, you know, because Doyle had collaborated, his father had collaborated with Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm-hmm. Jimmy Vaughan. And, you know, so Doyle was sort of playing in that band kind of with, you know, Double Trouble after Stevie Ray was, you know, uh, uh, died. Beyond that, his career never really took off as an artist. He did some solo work. Yep. And I think Clapton saw a lot of himself in him because he was addicted to heroin and all this kind of thing. So Clapton was like, this is me. Yeah, so he kind of took him under his wing, put him in his touring band, and he's been a a frequent collaborator ever since. And he's gone on to do bigger. He he, we talked about Cheryl Crow. He you know he collaborated with her as well. Yeah, (laughs) in more ways than one, you know, as well. But and his his buddy throughout the years is George Harrison, right? I mean, that's the whole thing too. Is they had a long-standing friendship. Yep. um, That 
you know, through all that, you would think that, you know, there would be some acrimony or animosity and yeah. Um, no, they, they just stayed good pals up until the end. And, and, yeah. you know, after George Harrison passed, you know, Clapton would be the musical director for the concert for George, um, which, you know, as a, you know, and really did justice to, to a lot, you know, the songs that Clapton did, uh, did, he did them fantastically as well. I think uh, the really reason, honored, honored George the, Harrison. The, the reason I'm, I, I love that so much is because of the, of the time that we got into these people and, and we're talking about Jeff Lynn as well. We're talking mm-hmm. about George Harrison and, and he was kind of like the, uh, this, this wheelhouse of all these, these artists and they, yeah. To see them all together, all the collaborators, yeah, yeah, was was very touching to me. And and seeing all the people that toured with Clapton over the years, Katie Kassoon and Tessa Niles, his two backup singers, and and Ray Cooper and and Andy Fairweather Low, and, and it, that, the man. When I, first time I watched that show, I, I teared up. I, I just because it, it just brought everything back, you know, around this time, the time when this album came out. Yeah. And this was the album that that introduced all, me to all of these people, and and you know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, and that's why Journeyman you know. again, yeah, it was such a special, a special time, and and we caught it like we caught Clapton, I think, at the right time as far as like getting into him, right? Because you yeah. you were coming out of the prog stuff with Genesis, and yeah. um, and I was kind of you know, like I said, I, the stuff I was listening to was kind of becoming a little more dormant in, in the late '80s. So uh, he shows up with this with with this song, pretending and and bad love, and I'm kind of like, I let me grab it. Let me grab this. Let me grab this CD, and and I, yeah. I totally recommend anybody. If, like I said, if you're don't don't be scared by by us talking about Clapton and the blues because this is not a full on blues album. It's got some blues stuff in it, but and he even does Hound Dog, but not not the Elvis Presley version. But he does the original, it very much in the original style. Yeah. Like he's yeah. a, he's Again, a traditional purist. And, and Mama, before you before you accuse me, version. yeah, <laughs> is is a is a standard also uh, a blues standard, and, and he he does that one uh, really well. Hard Times uh, is fantastic. The Ray Charles yeah. tune. Uh, Billy Joel said it. He goes, he sounds like, you know, Ray Charles on that song. He goes, Billy Joel, like really, co- I remember him specifically commenting on that, that mm-hmm. one track. Uh, and he's like, Eric, just, I, I, I couldn't believe it was Eric Clapton. I thought it was Ray Charles when he, yeah. you know, because he, again, grew into <clears throat> that voice, that sort of crooning type voice. Which Yeah, was, and he's got know, some gruff like, behind yeah. it too. So I like, yeah. he's got like a, a little bit of a roar. Like in when his he, voice, yeah, yeah. You know, which I I like when he goes there with it, like yeah. you know, um. So the, and that's that's what that's what I dug about this is is the and and like we said, you know, Jerry Jerry Williams really kind of this guy is just an unsung hero. Anchored this album with his songwriting and just kind yeah. of giving Clapton the material that again, he can just, interpret. Just somebody know? we don't know. He yeah. uh, again, someone we he's not a you know a very famous artist. He's a singer songwriter from Texas, yeah. guitar player. Uh, and yeah, he wrote the bulk of the song forever. And well, he also wrote Forever Man on yeah. Behind the Sun and Something's Happening and and you know, the three tracks that you know, and then the five five songs it was Pretending, Anything for Your Love, uh, Running on no, Faith, Running on Faith, No, no alibis. alibis, and he co-wrote one of the other tracks Breaking on the point. Album. Breaking point. Breaking yeah. point. Yep. So that's so, that's yeah. a lot of it. And then, like I said, there's three covers in there as well. And then you've got uh, some stuff that that Clapton uh, co-wrote as well. So that that's the thing is he's not you know Clapton's not a prolific songwriter. It's but but he can interpret, and that's what a good blues player does anyway is interpret those things and make them the, your own. So he was able to, t- to right. take the Jerry Williams stuff and and really find some some simpatico with it and kind of really connect to it. 
And you would never know. That was the whole thing. When I, when I started researching this, I, I, I didn't realize that he didn't write most of this. Yeah, but I it remember. Sounds, it sounds I so Clapton. As I recall, because you were such a fan of people like Jeff Lynn, ding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much wrote everything, did yeah. everything, you know, so you were very much in that wheelhouse and you, you were actually very disappointed that he didn't write pretending. As yeah. I recall, it's like, oh, you know, but I, and then I, I think I turned around and said, well, Elvis didn't write anything. Yeah, that's, he didn't. Right. I told, I was like, yeah. Elvis didn't write a lick of his own stuff. He got, I, yeah, but you know what? He had a really good manager who gave him songwriting credits. So even though he didn't write stuff, he was actually credited. But, uh, but again, credits, but, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's a smart guy. But, but, but you mentioned interpretation though. Yeah. And that a lot of blues music is that nobody yeah. cared back in the, especially back in the day, these guys covered each other. You never knew who wrote what. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is Ray Charles or this is like, you know, uh, you know, Muddy Waters, but Muddy Waters didn't write a lot of his own stuff either. Yeah, they just it became standards because everybody was yeah. just doing them and they were, right. they were just songs that were just out there mm-hmm. that people would kind of pick up on. You know, Led, Led Zeppelin was the same thing too, right? They they co-opted a lot of That's a right. lot of these yeah. standards that, you know, they they didn't think or or didn't realize people, you know, someone the guy that actually wrote it would actually come after them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, good on Clapton for for Journeyman. Well, uh, let me ask you this. I mean, what do you? How do you? <clears throat> I'm I'm interested in knowing. You right. know what? How do you rate Eric Clapton as a guitar player? <laughs> I always give you guff. I I, yeah. I always give Eric a lot of a lot of shit over Clapton only because of the last waltz. If you go go back and listen to our last waltz episode, <laughs> and, and you'll kind of hear the the little backstory about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I do that just to just to irk him, just to kind of to kind of nudge him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Clapton is you know the one thing the the thing I love about Clapton, and I've always loved about watching him play that. I I don't really recall seeing with any other guitar player seriously is he makes guitar playing look so effortless. Yeah. His technique does not look forced. It never looks like he's struggling, like to pull the notes out. Mm-hmm. Um, he just like his, his style is just like, he's been up and down that fretboard so many times that it's, it, yeah. it's almost like he's sleepwalking. And I don't mean that in a bad way. These, these, these notes just come out of him so naturally because he's so proficient at it different than in Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen is very proficient at the guitar as well yeah. in a different way in, in his style and in his approach is very different. Yeah. And Clapton is just, it's, he's as smooth as silk. That that's the thing I like and appreciate. I love watching Clapton play. That's right. Because yeah. it's just like, so it just, he makes it look so easy. That's what it is. He makes it look like somebody else could probably play this, because he's not making face, he's not grimacing, he's not looking like he's in pain. Yeah, he's just just like laying these riffs down and laying stuff out. So I'm gonna, I would put him. I mean, how could you not put him in a in a top ten or a top five, regardless of your uh, of of anything, uh, regardless of what type of music you're into? Yeah. That's why I said top five or top ten. He would have to, he would have to be in there. Like I don't, I don't see how he couldn't. I totally agree. You know? And the thing about you know people like to put him on this sort of guitar god status and. I, I I don't. There's a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. Like, like ironically enough, I'm not a huge fan of like the Cream era. Like I mm-hmm. I, I prefer the understated guitar playing because he really knew how to make the guitar sing. Yeah, and I say that as a vocalist. You know, like it, like I love vocals, and I you know I I'm a frustrated vocalist, like or singer or whatever. But that that's the he is the first guitar player that I actually paid attention to. Mm-hmm. 
because of his style, like the single notes, the, you know, it's actually emulating a human voice. And mm-hmm. that is that's he doesn't exploit the guitar like a lot of players do. And I'm going to say, you know, this is going to sound weird, but he, you know, there's a lot of players that to me just absolutely rape the guitar. I mean, they just mm-hmm. like, you know, like all this kind of, you know, like Jeff Beck is one of those players who really gets in there and he likes the mechanics, flashy of, you know, and, the flashy yeah. and the whammy bar. And Clapton, he treats the guitar like it's very elegant. It's a very mm-hmm. elegant instrument. It's he, there's reverence there. There's care, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that I, I love that about him. I love I, lo- I love that. Just that, just that he'll, he'll pick up a guitar and look at it as if he's looking at a painting or mm-hmm. he has such respect for the instrument. And that's, that's what I love most about him. And I've, I've seen him on tours where there's like kids, my son's age right now, um, sitting there in their seat like this. Huh? And you, you know, cause you could see like the diamond vision screen and the yeah. close up of his hands all the time. Like they always go to his hands, you know, right. And they're studying. They're not, they're not sitting there cheering him on. They're not like, you know, they're watching what watching. he's doing. Cause obviously like these, a class. Kids are pro- these, these kids yeah. are probably learning how to play guitar. Yeah. It's like, it's like taking a yeah. class, uh, you yeah. know, uh, you know, th- I, I do have to mention though, Robbie Robertson did blow him off the stage at the last <laughs> wall. So we're just going to leave that out there. Just to, you know, just a quick, just a little quick aside that he hey. did, you know. But again, guess Clapton what? was like a wreck at that point anyway. So he was But barely- guess what? Why do we like the last? Why do I like <laughs> the last waltz so much? Why do I love Robbie Robertson so much? Because, because of you know, it's because of Eric Clapton that I actually watched, bothered to watch the last waltz. Yeah. Because at that point, I was really getting into him, and I re- we watched it together as we as we talked about. But it was really with his, I mean, vel- yeah, with his velvet. Well, Eric tux. Clapton's there, right? It's like you know. <laughs> Exactly, you know. So, but his vel- yeah, he's not the star of the show. No, and he was in bag. He was in barely bad shape. They, they I, all were at the last waltz. I mean, Robbie Robertson. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much thinner he could get, and and take that for what it you know. What, yeah, what you, Rick Danko will, was pretty. You know, he was shaking like a leaf the whole they time. They were all out of it, but that, that was up, the time. Yeah. But they, you yeah. know what? They, but these guys played through all that too. You know, that's the amazing yeah. thing is I don't know how these guys do this kind of stuff and and then have the wherewithal to but be coherent enough to play. But but that's the well. shame of it though, because Clapton will turn around and he'll and I've read things about and it just it shakes me to the core to think that he doesn't remember any yeah. of it, and that's a shame. And I Man, think about all the time it. and all the all that wasted because of the substance abuse that he could have been a much better player yeah. and have done things more if he had just let that drive him. And, and in a sense, it did, but he just couldn't let that other stuff go. Yeah, well, it, he had his demons. I mean, he traded you know, one addiction to an, for another. Yeah, and it just kept going. But yeah. Yeah. What are you going to so, do? You know. Um, yeah, I I think that's gonna gonna close it out for for Eric Clapton and and Journeyman. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a very it's a very accessible album. Uh, really, check this one out. It is slightly dated only because there are some little echoes and it's tinges of the eighties. But yeah. Clapton is full like. He's he's not uh he's not eighties fied though he's not doing no 80s he's so- actually style songs he's, he's actually rip, pulling, he's ripping through these songs he's, he's ripping, ripping through them and he's pulling it he's pulling that eighties out of he's stepping back from yeah. that that polished sound and he's doing other things there's yeah, enough other things on this album 
to convince you that this is not a straight up 80s record. Yeah, so and, and, and the, the biggest contrast, yeah. I started listening to August just before, yeah. and there was absolutely a, a totally different sound and a different, oh, yeah. <laughs> a different feel to it. And when you step into Journeyman, it's kind of like, yeah, where he's you know shedding shedding a lot of that stuff, a lot of the slick yep. stuff, and just getting back into and firing off some solos. Oh my God, firing off rip, just great riffs that that catch you into the song, and and really uh, expert songwriting. So this yeah. is a recipe for like like we said, uh, his strongest album of the '80s, probably one of his strongest in his in his canon of of solo and collaborative work. We're definitely going to put it up there. So right. yep. uh, you can absolutely go check that out. It's still, it's streaming. It's on Spotify and you can go check him, him out playing in the rain on the pretending video. You can go check out YouTube. Uh, I'll drop a link. Cause that's my, one of my favorite videos. So we'll drop a link to the pretending video in the, in the show notes. If you mm-hmm. uh, are so inclined to check those out. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the 3324 podcast. Thanks as always for joining every Thursday. We've got these big, beautiful full length episodes where we talk about great music and movie content that we love to talk about. You can follow us on, on Instagram and Facebook at 3324 podcast as well. You can even say hi to us and we'll say hi back. We'll give you yeah. like a virtual wave or we'll give you like a thumbs up icon yeah. or a smiley face. We that's will right. absolutely do that. So come and come and check us out. Come and join us there. We'd love to see you. Uh, every other Wednesday, we do live shows as well. So you can be a part of the conversation and tell us what you think. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. So for Eric, this has been Dean. And we will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 